every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. You wouldn't believe it. We are here live at the NFL Combine for First Draft. Mel Kuyper, celebrity cameo. I saw some GM saying, who is that guy in the hallway? <laughs> no, they weren't. They were John Lynch. Hey, that's Mel Kuyper. Todd, you're here. Can you believe it, Kuyper? All these years. Kuyper all these years at the Combine. Now we're at least in. Yep. Yeah. Could have been standing with you watching on TV all those other years. Yep. But now we're actually in my get hotel in room. That would have been weird. Yeah. Huh? So, Mel. You were in the hotel room? Yeah, I yeah. you are actually in the stadium, but watching it on TV. No. Oh, no, well, okay. I mean, I mean, some days, yeah, and some okay. days I would, I would do a TV hit and then go back to the, <laughs> to the hotel room and then come back over come here. To the compound, we could have watched it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Todd is going on. It'll be this year or next year. Todd, Todd's going on twenty of these mm-hmm. since you've been in this business. Yep. Right. Mel, I'm not going to date you. You're going 41. on a little bit longer 41. than that. Wow. But yeah. I got a question for you. So about eighty three, eighty four, they start getting the combine set up. Let's start getting official times, right. official whatever mm-hmm. on all these guys. What I want to know is mm-hmm. seventy nine, eighty. You're getting your first guide together. Right. How are you gathering a forty time on number eleven pick Russell Irksley? Well, you had to have <laughs> contacts in the league who would give you this stuff. And one of my good friends back in the day was Jack Faulkner. Who has one of the best the NFL's ever had? He was yeah. GM, head coach, and I don't even call Jack up, and he would say, "Hey, you want this stuff? Yeah, I don't care about this stuff. Doesn't matter who can play. Let me football." And he would rattle it off to me over the phone. But I want to know is so say you're calling on Joe Montana. It's 1979. You got to call Notre Dame. Oh yeah. Are people just lying to you left and right on heights and weights and 40s? Only thing I would call the school about was the stats. You couldn't get stats. There was no internet. <laughs> you had to, I had to spend two days a week, two days a week from, say, 8, 9 in the morning until West Coast time. I'd get a little late. I'd wait a little bit. And then to get how many sacks the kid had, how many tackles for loss, individual game stuff. If I saw a game where he looked like he impressed, how do you do against Arkansas? Give me that. You'd have to get all that on the phone from the sports information director, the football contact at the Ugh. school. So that meant two days a week. That sounds brutal. Morning <laughs> till night calling schools just to get basic statistical you'll data. Ne- you'll never get those hours back. Yeah. How? Uh, what were your phone bill? Oh, it was like a, that, it was a stack so thick. My father would say, "Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm 19 years old, calling every school. 20 years old, 21. You know, and you're getting a stack phone. But it's like back in the day, it was like unbelievable. So then ESPN calls in '83, and you but made eight, like what, a couple hundred bucks? '83, yeah, uh, exactly, 400. 400 bucks to do uh-huh. TV, the NFL 84, draft. 84 draft, yeah. That was the NFL Slow draft. Days. Todd, they could, like, smoke in the room while they were making picks. It's nuts? like Mad Men. It was unbelievable back in those. We had Boomer aside. We were sitting at a table. It was me and Chris Berman, me and Boomer. Yep. And Bob Lee was moderating in, in uh, Crystal. And we had on a little Bunch of 20-year-olds. Boomer aside and calling in. After he was picked in the second round. And he was kind of a little disappointed he wasn't a first-round pick since the Bengals took three players in the first round that year. He was kind of the fourth pick, but in the second round. And then after we finished with Boomer, I think it was Tim Meamber and Chris Zander, and Carl Zander, linebacker out of Tennessee. Meamber okay. was at Washington. We're drafted. We went away from the draft. ESPN left the draft. I walked out of the room. Berman walked me. Tried to took me to Bradley International Airport while the second round was going on. I flew back to Baltimore. <laughs> that was it. Uh-huh. I think they left the draft to go to a tractor pull. Makes sense. Cut away from the second or round to go to tractor pull. racing, whole. whatever it may have been. Left the draft like 
late second round. And then this year we're on network TV. Think about it. Todd, what was your first combine experience like? Well, I used to be able to come into it. Yeah. I was working with you know Gary Horton and those guys. It was the war the room. man. The war room back then and turned into Scouts Inc. with, with ESPN. But I used to be able to come in and go to everything. I mean, yeah. I, I would go to the room with the bench press. I'd, I had my own you know stopwatch and would record the 40s and everything else. And I thought, and I then thought that it was became like a TV business. event. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then, uh, but we're back in. We're back in. Let's put yeah. it that way. Guys, want to just jump into nobody works out until Friday. We're going to get running backs then. Then you start. So it's just this trail of days where you get accurate heights, accurate weights. We saw some of the running back stuff come in. What I just want to do is go back into some of the biggest names in this draft and just tell me the thing that's the most interesting to you. It's it's going to be a height. It's going to be a weight. Like it's, it's the kind of the question you have about this guy. Start right off the top. Do you really care at this point about Kyler Murray's height, or are you just kind of resigned to he's in this range and we know what he is? I'm pretty resigned. I mean, if it would have to be like five seven, five, four, you know, something like that, <laughs> where it would it would be eye opening. But I, I, I'm kind of more interested in has he really bulked up to over 200 pounds? Because that's right. what I keep hearing, and and also what's his hand span? You know, we go back right. to Russell Wilson and. Um, what was it, ten and a half inches? Gronk hands, hands basically. Yeah, at five, yeah. five ten and three eighths inches. So mm-hmm. that's unusual. That's yeah. usually you know you're talking about the six foot five, six foot six quarterback. So that that was in his favor as well. So I, I mean, I don't know though. I, I I'm not. I've talked about it all day long, and it, it's getting <laughs> kind of old to talk about it, guys. That's why I'm just getting rid of it right off the okay, top. There yeah, there you go. I think if you if you like Kyler Murray, you're gonna yes. like him regardless. If you had a question at five nine five ten, you're gonna obviously not gonna. When the time comes to say I'm gonna draft him, you're not. You're gonna go a different direction. He may well be not even somebody you're considering. This is a a gut feel. There's no other way to, to – you can't compare him. There's no comp to Kyler Murray. There's nobody ever been drafted in the first round like Kyler Murray. Is today's NFL going to allow him to have great success at 5'9 5'10", whatever he is? We'll see. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see which GM takes him because we talked about Oakland at 4. Maybe they – Derek Carr was an MVP guy a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Give him yeah. a little help. They have all these draft picks, and Derek Carr should revert back to his old form. Cincinnati Bengals have Andy Dalton. Would they want a guy who could maybe be the heir apparent? Miami, obviously, at 13, we've talked about. Uh, Washington at 15. There, Washington at 15. Kyman so, yeah. exactly closing the door there at one. Yeah, yeah well, either, it's either That's that. the game. I right. get it. Either that or they're trying to <laughs> pick right. for sale. Get the one thing we don't, we've never cared about is, and if you go back and look historically at quarterbacks, 40 times mean nothing. No. Vertical jumps mean nothing. Nope. The height and the weight really doesn't matter as long as you're within a range. Now the range doesn't even matter. No, okay? the range is the range is gone. It's going away. So forget all that. You know, Jake Locker with his four five and all these EJ Manuel with his great speed with, with, with the elite size he had. None of these measurables matter for quarterbacks. Tom Brady ran a five two four forty and had a twenty four and a half yeah. vertical. So it doesn't matter. Giovanni Carmazzi went in the third round because he had a better vertical and a stronger arm. It doesn't matter. It's a gut. I've always said, and I, Brian Billick and I talked about this years ago about a gut feel. For a quarterback, you either have that gut feel to take that guy, or you don't. Patrick Mahomes. That was Baker Mayfield last year. That was the guy. You don't think the system's going to hurt him. You either do or you don't. So it doesn't matter all these other measurables we're going to see on quarterbacks and how they throw against air. You better know by now if that quarterback's going to be your guy or not. You think John Dorsey took Baker Mayfield? Why did he take? Because he had a strong feeling that this is a guy I can go to war with and I can win those battles. And that's the way you have to feel about these quarterbacks going in. It's not one particular trait that's going to determine if you take a quarterback or you don't. You better have the right system. I think that's the whole key is how you use him. 
and use, utilizing him like he was used at Oklahoma, like we've yeah. seen Bill O'Brien do with Deshaun Watson, adjusting their ver- verbiage, adjusting what they do in order to make him comfortable so that he can play fast and he can play without having to overthink and it, it can be utilized properly. You, you go back and look. Everyone wants to harp on this height stuff. First of all, it's it's really not the same game anymore. In the last 10 years, we've seen the quarterback now more so than ever is throwing the ball outside the pocket. Right. And even go back to the college game for Kyler. He only had five balls batted down at the line of scrimmage. And his offensive line was 6'5". Dwayne Haskins, who's who's your prototypical pocket passer, had 12, which isn't a bad number either. But just, you know, comparing the two guys, you would think that... That stat has shown to mean nothing. So if you're Kyler Murray... Flacco gets knocked down more than any pro quarterback. If you're Kyler Murray, do you throw at the combine? No. Why wouldn't you? I'll give you my take. You give me yours. I wouldn't... The o- the only thing I would say is it's it's really not good optics because he's just going to be standing there and he's the face of this entire draft. So what what is the NFL Network? What's ESPN going to be doing that whole day? Just st- right on him. What are you going to do? The shorter all quarterback. <laughs> now on the flip side, I, I just. I don't care if he doesn't. Let's put it that way. I'm not saying that I, I wouldn't, but I'll I give don't you care credit. If he You've doesn't. been saying this for I think years now. No I don't care if it. you really throw at the combine. Yeah, there's been 32 quarterbacks drafted in the first round in the last 10 years. 11 of them didn't throw. You know, so it doesn't correlate. Right, 20, it doesn't 21 did. So yeah, you can great, but it doesn't mean you're not going to be a first round pick or that your stock is going to be affected. It's how how do you interview? It's also Whiteboard. You know, they're going to throw the pro day, and then more importantly, in the the individual workouts when teams fly into Norman to go work him out. That's when they're going to put him through their route tree and do their the things that they want to mm-hmm. see from him, rather than a scripted workout. I wouldn't throw. I wouldn't be any any part of being on that field with a six foot five quarterback or a six foot four quarterback, Drew Locks and Daniel Jones and Ryan Finley and all these and, and Tyree Jackson all standing around. A five foot nine, five nine. That will look. You talk about optics. Put Kyler Murray in there with all these big quarterbacks. It'd be like the old Andy Reid picture of the punt. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> By the way, in Kyler Murray, I mean, you'll probably be there. His pro day is going to be fun. They're probably going to do some stuff. They're going to get him on the move. They're going to show what he is. All I would imagine. See is Kyler, you won't yeah. see another six foot four quarterback. Yeah, that's around. a good point. Guys, let's get a little bit uh, combine nerdy. Todd, I get really excited during the combine. Because I see a guy run, and I know Todd is going to hop on Twitter. Ten-yard split. You see that ten-yard split? I know he's texting, like, why? You know, he's got his guys. He's like, ten-yard split on that guy. I remember Jadavion Clowney ran, and, yeah, he was this, he was that. He looked the part. And I remember Todd saying, look, do you see that ten-yard? Was it one five three? Who's your ten-yard split team here? Is it Nick Bosa? Do you need to see what that is? And tell me what you're looking for on that. Uh, you know, Joey Bosa came here and didn't run a very good, good time, and everyone was saying, oh, he can't be a great edge rusher in the NFL, and it's turned out to not be true. Yeah. So I'm not overly worried. I, I would like to see for more of the speed guys, guys like Josh Allen coming out of Kentucky, mm-hmm. who re- relies more on speed and not necessarily the leverage in the hands and the ability to rush the passer. I, I would want to see guys like that. I yeah. think it's important for the speed rushers. The number, I mean, ideally under 160. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Sheen Mathis and, and those guys, Dwight Freeney, those guys, that's, that's what they, um, they ran. And, you know, Polian, Bill Polian talks about it all the time that that, mm-hmm. for their system, and 
being a speed defense that that's what they were looking for. One six five is really good in the ten yard split. Mm-hmm. Anything over one seven, you start to you know it's a little bit of a red flag. Forty yard dash four seven zero is is about the the number you want. But I three cone drill to me for defensive ends and pass rushers is the most important drill. Almost all of the guys who run six nine or faster, mm-hmm. and you can go look at this, the long list of guys have had great success, almost all of them, in the NFL in terms of pass rushing. So, to me, if, if you're looking at defensive ends and pass rushers, I think you want to be looking at the three-cone drill first and then the 40- and 10-yard split after that. The Watt was, a T.J. Watt was six seven nine. Yep. So, you're right. About, and I think the 40 times we looked at historically, and you see guys like, uh, you know, go back to the great pass rushers coming off the edge. J.J. Watt was a four eight one, but he was six five and a quarter two ninety. Von Miller six seven zero. Yeah, and ran a four four two forty. Melvin Ingram six eight three. Yeah, Jerry Hughes four six five forty. Clay Matthews four six two. The guys, Melvin Ingram four six six. As I said, Von Miller coming off the edge uh, ran unbelievable. 40. So again, you're looking at Miller was 6'2 and a half, 245, ran 4'4'2 four, four, and had 37 vertical. You'll go back to linebackers. We always said you want the the tape, how they played in college to match up to the workout. Yep. Luke Keekley was all over the field. Luke Keekley had an incredible workout. Luke yeah. Keekley ran at 6'3 and a quarter, 242, a 4'5'40 and a 38 vertical. Go back to Brian Erlacher, same thing at New Mexico. All over the field, versatile kid, great workout. So I think you want the, the workout to match what you saw. And if it doesn't, as long as it's within a range, and if it doesn't go to the pro day, I don't think you come to the combine looking for football players. No. If you didn't like a guy, are you going to like him after he works out? No. It may go back to the tape. Kuiper was locked up in his hotel room too long today. <laughs> All you right, can, you should see the the notes he has here. It's like it's, beautiful it mind. Is beautiful mind. It's called a point of reference. A, point a of reference. Word. I once, Todd. I once. Uh, we were finishing up the draft, so we're going to get together. Todd, who are you, who's your best pick, worst pick? Mel, let's start working on these draft grades and arguing about it. Let's get some drinks out. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh gosh, Mel. On Wednesday, I'm going to be calling you. Oh wait, Todd's going to have to do a mock draft, and Mel's working on his big board. And Mel pulls out a foiler, and he said, I already got 79 of them down in my top 100. Like, as the draft was finishing, he was writing down names oh, yeah. for, you know, 2037. The entire day, day three of the draft, he <laughs> sits there and, and, and bugs me about the, the mock draft <laughs> and, and, and for and next Todd, year. Todd tells me, get the hell, get out of the yeah, way. Get, get away from me. I'm not worried about that till Tuesday I get, next I get week. two days. Yeah. Todd, let's start working on right here. Let's pick a handful of guys. Lock it in, guys. Say it's... TJ Hawkinson's been moving up, moving up. This guy's solidly in the first round. TJ, if you do X in Indy, you're going to lock it in. He's got to lock it in for speed. Maybe it's, uh, you know, it's a speed on a guy like Hawkinson. Um, DK Metcalf, if he's fast enough, he's kind of lock it in. We know the guy can uh, find the weight room. For Hawkinson, I think, you know, tight ends typically vertical jump has some correlation to mm-hmm. success. 37, 37 inches or better is um, is outstanding. 20-yard shuttle is another one. And um, and the wonder lick, actually, is for cornerback and tight end, surprisingly, it, it correlates to success in the NFL if you have that combination. Todd facts there. Mel- yeah, the, the tight ends, and I'll tell you, the guys that we look at as elite have run in the 4-5s. Greg Olson around a 4-5-1. Yeah, you look at Jimmy Graham ran a four six eight. Uh, four, excuse me, Jimmy Graham ran a four five nine. Jermaine Gresham ran a four six eight. Uh, Jared Cook ran a four four nine. Vernon Davis a four three eight. 
Ben Watson, 4-5-3. Zach Ertz, 4-6-8. Tyler Eifert, 4-6-5. What are you looking for, Hawkinson, Todd? You're looking at, at 6'5", 250 probably in, yep. that, in that range. To, to probably, you would hope, run under 4'6", 4'6'5". Well, I think he might. Mm-hmm. I think he might. Let's talk about the guys that are going to go off on Friday. First big 40 times you're going to see here are the running backs. What is your reasonable expectation for lock it in Josh Jacobs, a number there, and maybe a few others? Well, I think you got to be careful with Jacobs because he's, he's big back. Le'Veon Bell ran 4'6". Uh, you just have to put it all in perspective. You've also had big back like Matt Forte at 220 pounds run 4-4-4. Adrian Peterson at 220 ran 4-4 even. Uh, yeah, so I think you got to be careful. And Emmett Smith didn't have a great 40 time. So I think running backs, it's more of the agility, quickness, than it is straight line speed. Uh, I remember Curtis Dickey when he came out of Texas A&M with that blazing 4-2-2. Uh, yeah, you look at the running backs, it's kind of been all over the place. I don't think there's a set way to say this 40 defines a back. It's it's more about change of direction, quickness, agility, than it is, uh, like I say, a straight line 40 speed. Is it broad jump is a big one, too. Yeah. Just showing the lower body explosiveness mm-hmm. and, and strength. 10-5 is the, the outstanding number for running backs. And I think you have to weight adjust it, too, for for running backs, mm-hmm. you know, you, that's what NFL teams do. It's it's adjusted based off the weight, yeah. what his forty time is, because it, you can't compare a hundred and ninety pound back, a guy like Bryce Love, to a two hundred and twenty pound back, like we have with yeah. the, the Alabama guys. They're mm-hmm. both they're right around two hundred and twenty pounds. So I, I I think that's important to remember as we go through the process. Yes, Darren Sproles was five six, one hundred and eighty eight pounds, around four four six. So if you're looking for a comp, maybe Bryce Love, we'll see what he falls into. Um, LaDainian Tomlinson had an incredible workout, 222 pounds, ran 4.44. So, again, like I say, Le'Veon Bell was 232 pounds, yeah. ran 4.6. And then he took yeah. off 20 pounds before yeah. his rookie year. Yeah. Guys, where the workouts, it seems like, uh, really stand out is at the cornerback position. I'm talking about three cone, and I'm talking about the 40 times specifically, where it just seems like there are exceptions. Joe Hayden worked out poorly. 4-5-2. And still went top 10, I think, seven overall. But of this cornerback class, are there uh, – what do we expect out of these guys, Todd? Um, I think Greedy's probably going to have one of the better workouts, would be my guess, Greedy Williams. He 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 does, because his tape – got progressively worse at LSU this past year and a lot of guys are down on him because he doesn't tackle and he's not overly physical so I think he's going to have to work out really well and in order to maintain a spot somewhere in that top 25 range I'm interested with DeAndre Baker too what does he run you know I I love his instincts I love the way he plays but um but does he have that elite top end speed Mm -hmm. and cornerback more than any other position arm length the combination of arm length and 40 time are really big, mm-hmm. really big in terms of the evaluation. And I think today's cornerbacks are so har- much harder to evaluate because of the game and because everyone's playing bail technique. It's really hard to evaluate these guys, and that's why like these numbers are more important for cornerback than I think any position. Yeah, I think the, the the long athletic corners. What are they? How do they test the guy like Justin Lane at Michigan State, Joe Juan Williams, Vanderbilt, Lonnie Johnson, Kentucky? How do they do? But I think to, to Todd's point about arm length, it's important for receivers. It's important for offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, tackling, cornerbacks. Obviously, I think arm length is one thing. And if you look at all the players that have made it and made it big, not many short arm guys yeah. really have have had an elite 
career in the NFL, and, uh, and you go to a variety of positions. And if you can bat down a pass, it can be just an inch, inch and a half, at extra arm length and that ability to catch up and not have to rely on always your speed and your catch-up ability that way. That arm length and that, uh, that height advantage is a big factor. So I think arm length, more than anything, probably most underrated part of this whole process. So let's just do it. Let's just call it the combine, the uh – the, the spandex, the Under Armour all-star team here. Who are some guys, Todd, that you're just thinking, regardless of how this guy looks as a football player, he's going to make a whole bunch of people go back to the tape because he's just going to be crazy here at the Combine. Who stands out to you? I think DK Metcalf is going to be one of the guys that we look at coming out of Ole Miss, the wide receiver. I mean, my body double. He's, he's coming off the neck injury. and Yeah, body double. He's coming off the neck injury. He looks in pictures like he's – turn into a defensive end but i'm told that he's going to run in the low four fours at six foot four 230 something pounds which is freakish that's that's who calvin Calvin johnson was six five 239 pounds and was borrowing someone's sneakers because he wasn't planning on running four three eight four three five yeah four three five oh my god which was one of the most ridiculous things i've seen here so i mean that's going to be important paris campbell's another receiver Mm -hmm. i think that needs needs to run well uh coming out of ohio state and how about jalen hurt who kind of disappeared just off the map he was that's why alvin Kamara. Didn't right. get the carries because Jalen Hurd was a Tennessee with him, and he was about a two hundred. Amazing, he was like two hundred and thirty something pound running back who went to Baylor, and now he's like two hundred. Well. He did. He had a big year, and considered one of the hardest and, workers on the team. And no one watched Baylor this year, so he kind of got overlooked. But he um, he's going to be interesting to watch. He's he, I don't know if he's going to actually do everything here, but when he does work out, I think Hurd is going to put together some big numbers. In seventy nine, when Mel was working the phones. How many times do you hear? Oh, he's the hardest worker on the team. Yeah. Hardest worker on the team is great. Coaches, son. Write him up. Well, hardest worker on the team. That was one of the questions I always would ask is, who was the guy is that he, would outwork every – yes, that who, question every coach Coach, yeah, the coach who's the turd on yeah. your team? Oh, let, me, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Working it. Guys, we are going to jump into the NFC South here. The Saints, the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Bucks will do that. Right about now, the New Orleans Saints, the team that believes they should have been in the Super Bowl. But we'll talk about rules changes later. Mel, I'm kind of curious. Drew Brees is joining the club of quarterbacks that are going to play mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. They don't have a first round pick. Nope. That's going to Green Bay. I mean, you know, you're not picking to six. They're pretty much sitting out. They're barely on network TV this year. Uh, what, what are you thinking here? Taysom Hill's not the future. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they might like play defensive end next Taysom year. Hill, they like him, uh, but no. They, they, I thought last year they might have an interest in Lamar Jackson. Actually, when they traded up, I thought they may go for yep. him. We were looking at each other. I was thinking maybe Lamar yep. would be the one that ended up with Marcus Davenport, and the Ravens got him at the end of the first. The Kyler Murray, where does Kyler Murray fall in this draft? We'll see. Uh, does he go top 13? If he does, you, New Orleans is going to have a chance to go up and get him. Right. Uh, but I think that's an opportunity here to see if they do, in fact, try to get that heir apparent. Uh, you think about the wide receiver position. It's Alvin Kamara. It's Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. And then the tight end spot, you know, is another area. So I think you look at, at, at more weapons for Breeze. I think they'll look to do that. Uh, obviously on the defensive side, a corner, another linebacker, pass rusher coming off the edge. Uh, but I think the Saints are in a position right now where the psychological part of this team, based on two straight years coming off of America, the Minneapolis Miracle, and then the game that they should have won, it was kind of taken away from them or they're in the Super Bowl. How do they come back from that 
I asked Peyton Manning that. How do you come back from that? He said, well, I'd be fired up to come back and try to get there and do it again, but you don't know. That's not, that's the unknown. You know what Drew Brees is going to be wanting and what, and how he's going to be prepared. But are the other guys in that locker room going to be doing the same thing? So I don't think we've ever had a team come off two devastating losses, one of which they would have been in the Super Bowl. So I think that more overrides anything we're talking about in terms of their needs in the draft. Yeah, I think at wide receiver, it's finding a compliment too. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a big physical receiver in Michael Thomas. You've got the running back that, as you talked about, but finding whether it's a slot receiver or a guy with speed that can get down the field and take advantage of, of the run game off of play action. Uh, slot receiver Penny Hart, like day day two, early day three. Andy Isabella coming out of yeah, exactly Georgia State. Um, Doesn't Andy and Isabella have to go to the Patriots? I think we're requiring Danny that. Amendola, he's, he's, Andy, Andy Isabella. Oh, he seems, to be, hit, he seems to be checking a lot of boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what? Uh, this was amazing. You know what? What Danny Amendola's forty time was coming out of college? Tell me, Kite. Four six nine. You know his vertical jump was twenty seven and a half. What a Ugh. schlub! That's why he was undrafted free agent at Texas Tech. Andy Isabella is considered the fastest player on that UMass team. Yep. Is What's he going to run saying? a four four? I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you four four five over under. Would you over under on that one, Isabella? Over. You think he runs slower than that? Yes, slower than four four five. Yes. I can't believe it. I've wow. been I okay. have been texted today I think multiple Andy Isabella forty time props. I think we should get it on the board at, at Westgate. McShay's going. He thinks four five five. I'll, uh, I'm no, like, who's your bookmaker, buddy? Let's get this up there and get <laughs> some action. It's all John Avello. Yeah, there I'll you put go. a I'll put a thing of mashed potatoes on it. How about that? That's all that's right. big money. All right. The Atlanta Falcons. I don't know, Mel, what do you see here? The, the thing was, two years ago, when the Atlanta Falcons, everything was perfect, mm-hmm. a few years ago, they were having this thing going on where they didn't have a single offensive lineman ever get hurt. Mm-hmm. They played an entire season. Only basically. team in the NFL that year. Yep. They even had a they guy playing the Super Bowl, Bowl really. yes. on a broken leg. Yeah, they should have won. They should have been Super Bowl champion. They let that one slip away, and then you see what happened. You're not going to have that type of luck injury-wise every year, and you saw the last two years they haven't had it. Yeah. So for Atlanta, the offensive line, you got Matt Ryan. you got to give him a clean pocket. They have fallen back on the offensive line. Uh, you think about the running back position with Tevin Coleman. They want somebody, obviously, who can complement you know, uh, uh, you know, Devontae Freeman coming out of the backfield. Um I think we talked about the defensive tackle spot. We, I think we both, Todd, I don't know if you had Ed Oliver going there. I've had Ed Oliver. I did. And it, yeah. A lot of that is uh, Grady Jarrett. Are they going to mm-hmm. re-sign him or yeah. not? And, and if they do, then they probably would go for a bigger guy to, to plug in to compliment him. Like uh, Dexter Lawrence, I don't know if they would do that in the first round, mm-hmm. but at, at some point early on, I think they're, they're likely to draft a defensive tackle. And then Vic tackle. Beasley. We talked about Vic. He had the one yep. great year, and he hasn't had the sack production outside of one season. Bring him back, but obviously the edge pass rusher, uh, getting more heat on the quarterback. Uh, but I think the offensive line, to me, is the big issue. When they went to the Super Bowl, that offensive line, all the starting five, was and, together and the And Matt Ryan needs that. He's not one of those guys that can completely transcend no, his offensive line. I think that's an area I think they better shore up going into this season. I'll tell you what, this team has some bounce-back ability on the defensive side of the ball, though. Keanu Neal was hurt yep. in about an Ricardo hour Allen the season. Was hurt. Allen was yeah. hurt. They, I, the entire back end of the defense was a mess. They they were they that, that was, was one a, of the bright young defenses just yeah. a couple of years ago. We were talking and about they how they finally fly. Get, yep. Yeah. Robert Alford's moved on to Arizona now. Isaiah Oliver, second round pick out of Colorado, steps into a starting role. So maybe you need another corner to add into that from a depth standpoint because Alford 
hey, he was hurt last year. He played hurt. So I think that's a good pickup for Arizona. That's in football. It's the one thing I think we have to look at for these kids coming out of the draft. Out is guys that play hurt and they slip back from a performance standpoint, you got to factor that in. If they're not healthy and they're out there on a bad ankle or their knees bother them or their shoulder, something's bothering them, they're not going to play as well. So I think you got to look at football players and say, okay, were they banged up that created the subpar performance? And I think in some of these, these uh, guys like Robert Alford's case, maybe it did. And that's a good pickup for the Arizona Cardinals. By the way, got to give the Falcons a little bit of a shout-out last year because you had a situation where you could have pointed to a few different needs, but they went out and got a – got in front of the thing on Julio Jones. They went and got Calvin Ridley when some people were like, well, you don't have to make that pick yet. Wait until round two. Calvin Ridley was everything you could have hoped for. Yeah, absolutely. A touchdown maker right away. So they hit it last year. You don't know where these teams are going to go, but they definitely hit it last year. The Carolina Panthers. Mel, Carolina Panthers, at any point in this draft, are they going to draft a quarterback? Or are we... Excited about the Kyle Allen Renaissance. Well, now I think you look at living it, on that high school tape. They could, but they have so many other things they got to think about. Played well before know. he got injured. That's a Joey Roberts special. I, yeah, I saw him when he was sixteen. Favorite right there. I liked him. Uh huh. I think you look at this team and you go to edge rusher. Uh, it's the same stuff every yeah, it's year. The same. It is. And I think the offensive line, you look at that area. <laughs> Left tackle, edge rusher, yeah. cornerback, wide receiver. Cam can't run that much anymore. Yeah, he did. We said wide receiver yeah. for about seven years, it yeah. felt like. Yeah. 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 I, I think you look at this team, and, and you know, again, uh, you know, it's, it, they're in a, it's a division where right now the Saints own it. And you know, is anybody but it's a division that seems to turn over. It was, every it year was up too. until the Saints got a, yeah. a stronghold on it of the last few years, and now Atlanta has fallen back. Tampa Bay can't find their way. Now the coaching change to Bruce Arians. You think about where the Carolina Panthers are and what they're going to be able to do, bouncing back and, and getting Cam Newton healthy. Cam Newton was not with that shoulder. Able no. to throw. At the it end of the year, he was not even able to throw the ball ten yards. No, it was, so it was, it, was, it was painful to watch. I'm sure it was painful for him to even be out there. So give Cam credit for doing it. But the offensive line's got to get better and. And to me, when the defensive side edge and maybe a safety, but uh, Carolina's got a got the franchise is Cam Newton, and if he's not healthy, and you saw what happened when he wasn't, I think you know a guy like Andre Dillard uh, could, could be a left tackle from Washington or, State or for Houston. Yeah, yeah. he could help a lot of teams that need a pass blocker. And in the defensive end position, you got you got guys there. I mean, Cleveland Farrell could be available when they pick in the first round at sixteen overall. So they. they They'll have options. Offensive line it runs dry quickly, though, I think. There's some good players. There's some guards and a lot of good centers this year. But mm-hmm. offensive tackle, Jonah Williams, you know, he checked in today. Is that too rich for Cody Ford? I think, I think so for some teams. You know, maybe not for them because they want to run the football and be physical up, up front. But I, I, think, I think he's more back half of the first round yeah. coming out of Oklahoma. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Guys, let's get the last team in this division, the Tampa Bay Bucks. You know they're going to take shots down the field. They have the weapons to do it, and Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I'm actually really interested, Todd, at some point. You know who's not an easy guy to replace? I mean, he might be in terms of draft parlance, but Adam Humphreys was a big deal for that offense yeah. last year. That dude might go get some money this offseason. He probably won't be in Tampa. I don't know what they're going to end up with putting on the table for him, but... That's an that's an interesting miss from this offense if he's not there, you know. Not sure what the future is with Deshaun Jackson. I mean, Godwin and Evans, you'd like it. 
the tendency here is to think, oh, Bruce Arians is let's, let's look at this offensive side of the ball, but they got a lot of pieces there. The mystery of Jameis yeah. continues. I mean, that's the whole thing for the Buccaneers. They've got to figure, yeah. you know, they've got to hope that Bruce Arians comes in and gets him fixed, gets the ball out quicker, more consistent with his accuracy, put him in a position to succeed, and, and then everything will start to turn around in this organization. If not, then you really, you've, you're continuing to search for answers. Now you're picking at five. The Giants are at six. Jacksonville's at seven. This, Kuiper, mm-hmm. I know you love the trade back. Oh, yeah. This could be a really good spot mm-hmm. to move back if you get options and take the best available offensive lineman you know, a little bit later in the, in the first round. If you can get multiple picks, plus they have multiple needs. I mean, they mm-hmm. need to get better on the defensive side. They need to shore up that offensive line a little bit. And I, To me, if you get any kind of offer to move back, it makes sense because I don't want to reach for an offensive lineman at that spot. I mean, who, who do we want to take that's going to be a huge difference maker um, in terms of a position we really need? Yeah, it I'll doesn't t- align. The needs don't align right. with where the players right. are. The edge rusher, Montez Sweat, probably too high. The offensive line, too high. So move back if you can if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And ironically, they're picking, if you look at it, right ahead of the Giants, which is a, a perfect spot if you're looking to get Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray. That Tampa Bay pick, obviously, you would think, can't speak for them, but if I'm Tampa Bay, that pick's for sale. By the way, this is a team that obviously has needs on the defensive side of the ball. Safety, up front, but... Speaking of up front, they're also in that weird spot where if teams jump up ahead of them, maybe you're sitting there and like Quinn and Williams lands in your lap or a, probably not yeah. Bosa, but maybe, I mean, you just start playing musical chairs there and maybe like Josh Allen sitting there. Like they have the possibility of getting a really good defensive player there too. Yeah, if they don't get a, a deal to move out. They're, they have to be hoping that one or two teams moved up to go get, go get a quarterback, you would presume. Mm-hmm. Guys, we're going to take a quick break, and then we got a stack of mail here. Mel, I'm surprised there are not thousands of people saying, holy cow, that's Mel Kuyper the Combine. i got to get my picture taken. Good thing we got tight security here. Mm-hmm. We'll come back after the break, take a few of your tweet questions. Back from the break, we got a few questions. Mel, let's get this started. At okay. BC, not heard. Hell of a handle. Do you see any team trading into the top 10 for a non-QB. It's always about, okay, who's going to get Haskins? Who's going to get Kyler? Mm-hmm. What about somebody moving up for a non-QB? Can you I see it? No. Uh, Nobody's right moving now. up for a Julio Jones this year? No. If anyone was going to do it, it would be, or it, if it was for anyone, it would be for Nick Bosa or mm-hmm. Quinn and Williams, I think. Those two defensive linemen. I, I think they're to me, they're one, two in this class, and then there's a little bit of a drop off after that. Yeah, I think Josh Allen's going to be the interesting one because he falls into that category of the edge guy. All these teams we talk about need edge rushers, and he's perfect. He fills two roles. And I think when you look at a guy like Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa's coming off an injury, had the injury his senior in high school. So I, I, it's going to be interesting by the time we get to late April how Nick Bosa and Josh Allen are sized up uh, by everybody. But uh, Quinton Williams had a dominant year. I think there's three elite players. Do you think one of those three is going to get to five? I don't. And the only way they could is if the quarterbacks jump in. Right. And if you put one quarterback in, you're going to put two and, ex- and expect one of those three defensive players to get to five. That's how it happens. So is it possible? Yeah. Is it probable? I don't think so. Uh, are you going to trade up for a five, nine and a half quarterback? Yeah, doesn't maybe. sound like you yeah, are. If I get, I'm, I'm asking. That's what I'm asking a question. I don't know. If somebody, you were talking about they got the guts to take them, or you have the guts to trade up and get them. You know, listen. If you if you like them enough to take them in the first round, if you're 13 and, and I don't know. It was thirteen in the Dolphins. Yeah. Why, why the hell am I not going to go trade up and go get him? If I really like him, if I think I have the right system in place for him to succeed, 
we think that every single, basically every single quarterback drafted in the first round, the last three years, I think, with the exception of Baker Mayfield, who was taken at number one overall, you can't trade up past one. They've been traded up mm-hmm. for, and we've seen significant jumps too. Houston moving up to go get Deshaun Watson, um, the Kansas City Chiefs going a big time trade to go go up and get uh, Pat Mahomes. So, listen, they don't stack up in terms of what what we saw a year ago, and at least in my opinion, they're a notch below in terms of talent. But again, there's there's only two of them in this class that you feel good about in terms of becoming a starter in the NFL and becoming a good starter. I will say it's interesting because we keep talking. We, we hear that question a lot. Are you going to trade up and get a quarterback? Are you going to trade up and get a quarterback? I've seen a team trade to number three to draft Deion Jordan. I saw the Saints last year pop up to 14. Where we're, oh, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. It's Marcus Davenport. Like Teams do trade up for things, entities that tend to surprise you. Know, I remember you. when we sat there on that, that trade. John Gruden's thing. head almost like exploded. Marcus, right now, Lane Johnson. Oh. And they end up with Deion Jordan. Yep. So sometimes, you know, last year I thought maybe Lamar Jackson was Marcus Davenport. So sometimes yeah. you think you know who they're trading up to get, and sometimes they surprise you a bit. Oh, I kind of like this. This is a little nerdy. Nick Larson, M. Nick Larson 4, totally screwed that up. Would you rather have Hardman, Isabella, or Campbell as your undersized speed receiver, Mel? <laughs> well, they're different kind of players. That's draft nerdy. To me, I think Isabella... For what he did against Florida and Georgia, and I understand people are going to take shots and say, well, he's not as fast as he's being credited to be. as the fastest player on a UMass team. This isn't the Florida Gators or the Georgia Bulldogs. I get all that. Hardman is incredibly fast. He should test as one of the faster players, you would think. Yep. So I think when you look at, at where you're going to get these players, Hardman runs great. That's McCole Hardman from Georgia. Yeah, and, yep. and Ryan Ridley coming out of there as well, yep. the other wide receiver. Isaac Nauta, the tight end. So a lot of skill guys. Elijah Holyfield coming out early to running back out of Georgia. We don't have, that's the one thing. When you come to the combine and we get these numbers, these underclass and we're guessing what every one of them. There's 130... 144 I had. Okay. But some of those are Sounds not considered right. technically right, underclass. Exactly. I consider them underclassmen. So but, I'll go 144 So you're talking more than half, easily more than half of the first round and more than half of probably the first three days yeah. are going to be underclassmen that we, don't, we really don't know anything no. about right now. Todd, at Matt McIntyre asks, tell us Couple late round running backs with some upside. Is there a Kamara? Though Kamara wasn't that late of a round, but or I think Tony Pollard's interesting coming out of Memphis. He's kind of your guy. The other up? Memphis running back. The other Memphis running back. Yeah. You um, usually don't get Daryl Henderson that. is the guy that we think is going to go earlier. But right. Pollard was a receiver, running back. He's got that versatility. He's got a little bit of juice. Miles um, Gaskin, I kind of like out of Washington. Under, another undersized guy, but quick and can catch the football. So there's some there's some pretty solid. Uh, Trav- Travion Williams from Texas A and M. You get him on day three. He he's not great at anything, but he's good at everything. You know, he runs with balance. He's tough. He catches the football. He'll block it as much as he possibly can. But those are three guys I think could wind up being good values on day three. Yeah, I think Miles Sanders, where does he go out of Penn State? Does he get into the third or fourth round? Good running back. And I think you can't run against, against a brick wall and sometimes there wasn't enough blocking for him to do his job and do it as effectively as he's capable of doing it. And I think when you look at, at where he could go, you know, you could be looking at a guy gets, like I say, into that third, fourth round area. Uh, yeah, I look at yeah, and I like the kid. Devin Singletary, Florida Atlantic. How far does he drop, Todd? Do you think he's a day three pick? No. Get at 700-plus carries at, at Florida Atlantic. Yeah. He's an explosive kid. He, he's not used heavily as a receiver out of the backfield, but he's got good tackle-breaking ability. He's got some bounce. He can certainly hit the home I run. I say third round. Where do you, 
I'd say third or fourth round. I'm thinking you get that's Kamara went third round, I believe, right? It was Kamara yeah. third round pick? Um, and I think you get guys like that. Travion Williams could end up depending upon how he runs. He had an unbelievable year, and he could end up being a foot. These running backs will usually drop two rounds lower than they should. So again, they're going to provide you some value, and all those guys can play. Speaking of running backs, a bunch of questions have come in on him. And his measurements were in today. I think I saw a Todd McShay tweet. McShay 13. You on this stuff? Are there any concerns, Todd? Tom Sugar asks this. Are there any concerns with Bryce Love other than the injury record? Still catching yeah. the ball. Yeah, he, he was up and down catching the ball. Yeah. He, what did he have, six catches, I think, two years ago? Yeah, they were six catches, more I get year, that never had a chance to right, exactly. Six catches. Fact, factored in for David Shaw. So, I mean, the, the size and, and staying healthy – one in the you know they they kind of correlate together obviously and what was he two hundred pounds too flat five, I nine two hundred yeah. yeah five I think five eight seven eighths inches and and two hundred pounds so I mean that's the big thing and I think that's the with him that's the value discussion you've got to figure out where where you want to take a back like that who maybe isn't ever going to be great catching the football he better run well and work out well i think in order to, to and when's he going to be ready to do that yep you know coming off that injury late in the year against cal yep. uh you know that's going to put him in a tricky situation where does he become a day three pick more than like we exactly thought exactly we thought 200 rounds josh not that long ago i saw him well confront him in the hall asking what he ate for breakfast exactly <laughs> 200 you got to be like 203 you know don't, sure don't think about it sure you mentioned it before. Josh Leggett asked, what is your take on Daylon Mack, and where do you see him going? He had a really good uh, senior bowl week. You know, and he, he's, he was kind of up and down, but he's intriguing to me. I think, I think in the middle rounds to get a player who has that size, that ability, and has some quickness, too. He moves better in person than I, than I thought he would. So I, I think he's an intriguing player. Mel, last one here. Ted Atwell asked, mm-hmm. Mel, any chance... Ed Oliver gets all the way to the Browns at 17. No. No. I don't think so. so. No, I think it's too athletic. How's he going to work out? He should test off the charts athletically. You think so? I think he will. And he's going to probably be 285. That would be a guess. Uh, he was 272, 275 during the year. Is that yep. correct? Uh, yep. They think 285. He's going to run a phenomenal 40 time, I think. And if you look at defensive tackles. He's going to get a tweet from you know, Shea. Defensive tackles over split. the years. And Dominic and Sue. Ran a 503, Gerald McCoy a 504. I think he's going to run. Geno Atkins ran 475. I think he runs in the in the 47 range, and I think he's going to turn some heads athletically. And he's a guy was productive. The net sack numbers, but was this? I would say he was a disruptor more than a sack guy, obviously, which he wasn't, but a disruptor. 53 and a half tackles for loss, only 14 sacks though. That's a big disparity, I and mean, that that's really the big thing with him is. If he tests off the charts, I think they will. A defensive line coach will say, "I can translate that into sacks." So I think he goes. Bef- Atlanta's the, the as far as I can see him dropping. He could maybe get into the top ten to twelve, but I'd say Atlanta's the the the, seal, the, the, the lowest he could drop in the draft. Do you remember in Sue's last college game when he went against yes. Texas yes, and Colt Texas. McCoy, yep, yep, and yep. it was like Tecmobile? With yes. Lawrence Taylor, he was, he was taking one arm and standing. He guys was up. destroying people. It, it, it was it was terrifying. I always said the guy should just skip the entire draft process. He's going to go top three. But Indomitian Sue, 
That was the walk-off the, performance of all time. And these numbers do translate when you talk about some. If there's a good, a good football player, Mississippi State's got a pretty good history now producing defensive linemen. Unfortunately, Jeffrey Simmons had the injury, but you have Montez Sweat. Yep. When Fletcher Cox came out at six four two ninety eight, he ran four seven nine, did thirty reps. I mean, four seven nine, almost three hundred pounds. Uh, Geno Atkins was two ninety run, ran four seven five. I really think that Oliver maybe runs into four sixes. No, you're going to have to get some more folders. You're going to run out of space before the combine's over. Guys, it was fun. First time I think we've all been here at the Combine. I'm sure of it. Uh, do it again next year. Twist your arm. Let's get them through one day first. Yeah, let's, let's see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. I made the flight, at least. Yeah. Sproul almost missed the flight. That's a story for another Kim, day. Kim Kuyper is going to get a call tomorrow morning. I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm on my way. Guys, that was first draft for this week. We will uh, do it again next week with a whole stack of measurements in hand. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.